Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. All right. Well, welcome to episode two. I am sharing a topic that is so hot in the nutrition and fitness space, and it is metabolism. Everyone's always talking about how to improve your metabolism, how to restore your metabolism, how to hack your metabolism. I'll hear things like, I think my metabolism is slow, or, well, now that I'm older, my metabolism is slow, and so I'm just out of luck. And that's so not true. If you understand metabolism and you understand what impacts metabolism, then you can change your lifestyle and your behavior so that you always have a very high functioning metabolism, no matter how old you are and no matter what you have going on. So in the episode today, I'm going to talk about what is metabolism. I'm going to give you the three different categories of metabolic function. I'm going to tell you that there are eight factors that will affect your metabolism. And I'm going to explain to you why being mindful of your metabolism is really important and how to restore and maintain your metabolism across the lifespan. Now, before I get into this, I really want to say that my main driving purpose for this episode was really to help people to see that the concept of eating less and moving more is really only good for a certain period of time. So it'll all come together as I start to unpack this concept of metabolism to help you prevent goal stalling. So I kind of want you to be thinking about that as we move through the material. So the very basic definition of metabolism is chemical processes within the body that convert food into energy for brain and body function. The three different categories of metabolism are psychological function, which is going to be your brain and nervous system function, physiological function, which is going to be tissues and organs of your body. Some examples here are going to be things like your digestive tract, your muscles, things like that. Physical function is just going to be your bodily movements, which is going to be either intentional exercise or just moving around. So keep in mind that the reason why I wanted to categorize these into three different things is because a lot of people think that when they are trying to improve their health, their wellness, whether they be trying to lose weight, trying to tone up, if you will, which is really just a very basic word for increasing muscle mass. But most people are like, well, I don't want to gain muscle. I just want to tone up. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's the same thing. They, they oftentimes just think of the food that they're eating to power the exercise or to power the movement. They forget that your body and your brain require calories. They require energy to work. So the 1200 calorie diet that's out there, really, you're at a level that is below most 
people. Most people's basal metabolic rate, which is the rate of calories that you need in order to just keep the lights on. So if you were laying in bed, your eyes were closed, but you were consciously awake, the basal metabolic rate, your basal metabolic rate or BMR is the amount of calories that is required just for you to lay there. We're not even talking about like having cognitive thought processes. We're not even talking about moving about your day. We're not even talking about hitting the gym. So don't forget that your body and your brain require fuel. All right. So the eight factors that affect metabolism are going to be your age, your body weight, your current muscle mass, your current body fat percentage, your health and diet history, the type of exercise, if any, that you perform, non-exercise movements, the thermic effect of food, and I'm going to give you a ninth one, your mindset. All right, so I'm going to break each one of these down. So age. In general, as we age, our metabolic function does tend to slow. However, we have all of these other variables that we can manipulate in order to maintain a very high-functioning metabolism. The second one is going to be body weight. Now, there is a little bit of a nuance to this, and I'll unpack it in a second, but essentially, the less body mass that you have, the fewer calories you need. Now, the nuance is body fat percentage and current muscle mass. So if you have more muscle on your body, you can eat more because it requires more calories to maintain that muscle mass versus the calories needed to maintain body fat or adipose tissue are far less. And if you think about it, muscle is performing a lot of very complex actions in the body, but body fat's just kind of like hanging around. You know what I mean? Like it's not doing much. I mean, it is, but it isn't. That's a very oversimplified way of looking at it, but just to get my point across. (laughs) All right. And then health and diet history. So if you're somebody who has an acute condition happening or a chronic condition or somebody who has a long history of under eating, that's going to affect your metabolism. So let me give you some examples. Somebody who has an acute condition, maybe it's somebody who has the flu or they have a cold or maybe they're post-surgery. Their body is going to require calories to recover, to restore their normal body function. We also refer to this as homeostasis, which is really just a word that is meant to explain optimal body functioning, body and brain. So a second example would be someone who has a chronic health condition, someone who has hypothyroidism, for example, someone who has irritable bowel syndrome, somebody who has heart failure, someone who is pre-diabetic. That's going to affect their energy balance. It's going to affect their metabolism. And then along with somebody who has a history of under or overeating, whether that be intentional or non-intentional, that's also going to impact the number and type of calories and macros that they can eat at their current body weight, no matter what their goal is. Non-exercise movement, this is going to be things like how active is your job or your lifestyle 
or how sedentary is your job or your lifestyle? The thermic effect of food. Essentially, the more whole foods that you eat, the more calories you burn because it takes more energy to break down the bonds of more whole foods. Versus if you are eating mostly processed foods, those foods are kind of already broken down, if you will. The bonds are not as strong, and so you don't need as many calories to break the food down. The other thing is that if you're eating a diet in high that is high in micronutrients, which is going to be more whole-based foods, which contain more vitamins and minerals, then your body function, your metabolism, all of the chemical processes in your body are going to be more efficient because all of the substrates, all of the raw materials, if you will, are there. Versus if those raw materials or those substrates are not there, the body is forced to do one of two things. One, it just skips over whatever process involves that particular substrate, for example, vitamin or mineral, or it has to manufacture that vitamin or mineral if it can. Sometimes we can't. And it takes longer, so it's less efficient. All right. And then the ninth one is really a bonus one. And this is going to be your mindset. Now, this does not directly impact metabolism, but it will affect your lifestyle and your behavior choices. So for example, this includes your perspectives. It's things like your beliefs. It's the blocks that you have and the biases that you hold. And these will influence what your lifestyle looks like and what your behavior is like. So why the heck is it important for us to be mindful of metabolism? So if we go back to that first concept, really, a lot of the people who come to me either want to lose weight or they want to tone up, okay? So what you have to remember is that you have your own unique metabolism. So what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another person. In general, I see three different categories of people. I see someone who is overweight and they have been overfed for a period of time. I see another type of person who is overweight and they have been underfed for a period of time. And I see a third type of person, and that's going to be someone who is underweight and also underfed for a certain period of time. So let's unpack those. So someone who is overweight and overfed, what do I mean by that? So if you are someone who is overweight and it's because you have been eating more calories than needed to maintain your current body weight over a period of time and not moving your body very much, less food and more movement would likely be helpful for you for a given amount of time. If you are somebody who is overweight and underfed, then more food and less movement would likely be helpful for you. So someone who is overweight and underfed, what oftentimes is happening with them is they, they got to a point where they were overweight and at one time they were overfed, but then they changed something. And usually the change is they start dieting or they start exercising. 
And then they take it to the limit. So they just continue to diet. They don't know when to stop dieting. And they don't know what to do after the diet. Or they start exercising, which is usually in the form of cardio because it's easy to access and you don't need a lot of skill to start it, like running on a treadmill, for example. But then they don't know what to do next or they just keep doing that. Okay, and then the third category is going to be someone who is underweight and underfed. So this is somebody who has been dieting for a period of time or under eating whether that be intentionally or unintentionally for a long time, possibly even exercising at a high intensity for a long period of time. It could be one or the other, or it could be both. And in this case, more food and less movement would likely be helpful for them. So you see here that there are different categories of people and each category has their own unique set of variances as well. And I'm not going to get into that in this episode, but you can see here that when you're looking at information online, what I really want you to start thinking about is, does this apply to me in my unique circumstances, my unique history and my unique goals? So usually we start seeing, or I start seeing symptoms, biofeedback, if you will, from clients who come to me or those who reach out to me for support. And it's feelings like low energy, feeling very fatigued, not sleeping well, either not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. So this could be a quality of sleep issue. It could be a quantity of sleep issue. It could be both. Struggling with things like digestion, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, feeling stressed out all the time, experiencing weight plateaus, having disorganized thinking or brain fog, cold all the time, having irregular cycles or even missed periods if you're of reproductive age, and having issues getting pregnant or even staying pregnant. Those are all of the symptoms of a less than ideal metabolism. All right, so in order to restore metabolism, we got to do some tracking. We have to gather a baseline. Where are you at on some of these variables? Remember those eight variables? The ninth one was mindset as a bonus. Where are you at currently? So what is your current basal metabolic rate, what's your height, weight, age, and gender, okay? Number two, what type and how much activity do you perform? Actually, I want to go back to number one, and I want to tell you that number one, this one's a little tricky. So you can't change your height, weight, age. Well, you could change your gender, But for the most part, those are pretty static within reason. Number, or excuse me, inside of number one, for the basal metabolic rate, this can be changed. So when we are talking about metabolism, oftentimes when, when we're talking about it, we're talking about the combination of the basal metabolic rate plus your activity levels, 
which equals something called total daily energy expenditure or TDEE. So in this case, I'm, I'm going to tell you here how you can increase your BMR. And I've kind of already alluded to that with those eight different variables, because a lot of them you're able to manipulate, but you're not going to be able to change your height. You're not going to be able to at least currently, like in this given moment, like today, change your weight, but you can over time. Your age is going to change over time. And then gender is kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, probably not going to change, but maybe it would. All right. So number two, what type and how much activity do you perform? So when we're talking about activity levels, this is also known as like fitness. Okay. So it's going to be like the number of workouts, the type of workouts, what are your daily steps? And when I'm talking about workouts, workouts is such a broad term. Okay. So when I talk to people about their workouts, I'm like, Oh, tell me like, what do you like to do when you work out? And Sometimes it's, I get an answer that's like more cardio based. And other times I get answers where it's like, oh, I lift four days a week and I do one day of cardio, something like that. That's all kind of within that activity or fitness umbrella. But the type of activity that you perform is going to affect your metabolism long term. And I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty with that, but essentially what you need to know is that cardio works your heart and lungs and it's fine for endurance. But if your goal is fat loss or to tone up, then you really need to be training because training, resistance training is going to build and shape your physique. Okay. All right. And then how much are you currently eating? So this is going to require a baseline calorie and macro amount. Like we're talking a seven to 10 day food log. Track your food, try to be as accurate as you can, and see where you're at. And then are you pregnant or breastfeeding? So if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding, you're going to require about 300 to 400 extra calories per day. Now, there is a little bit of nuance. Like in um, trimester one, it's a little bit less. In trimester two, it's a little bit less. But like trimester three and in pregnant, or excuse me, in breastfeeding, you're going to require at least about a 300 or a 400 calorie surplus in order to um, either maintain um, optimal functioning for your fetus or to be able to maintain breast milk supply. All right. And then it really comes down to, okay, so we know where our baseline is at. We know where we're sitting at. What is your goal? So if your goal is to lose weight, then we have to determine, are you in that category of being overweight and overfed? Because your plan is going to look much different. Versus if you are overweight and underfed, your plan's going to look different. We're going to want to go up with food and down with movement, if that makes sense. Or if you're looking to tone up, if you're looking to build shape, build muscle, and you're underweight and underfed, then we got to bring food up and we got to bring training down or cardio down, depending upon what your unique circumstances are. I'm just giving you some examples here. But you can see where there's different categories of people and the recommendations or the plan that would be most effective for them is very unique. It's very individualized. All right. So long-term, long-term, whatever you do in order to get to where you want to be or get closer to where you want to be, 
you're going to have to maintain that in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's as not as quite as precise, but you're still going to have to keep a pulse on everything that you've kept a pulse on to get closer to your goal or through your transformation process. So for example, if you end up tracking calories and macros, you do great with them. You get to where you want to be. You can either keep tracking. You could eat intuitively and track once a month. You could switch to portions. All of those are options, but you are going to want to keep a pulse on how much you're eating. Because otherwise, if you're not measuring it, how will you know? You have to have some level of measurement. It can be extremely precise or it could be less precise. There's really no perfect example that I can give you here. It's really going to be based upon, you know, what you feel like you have the bandwidth for and what's important to you. What's the value that you assign to that behavior? And then as far as movement, so modulating training, you know, you shouldn't always be pushing training intensity, but you do need to be undulating, which is just going to be coming up and down, up and down, up and down in more of like a phased and a cyclical manner with your training and with your cardio intensity so that you're not either always underperforming or you're always overperforming or overtraining because you will end up burnout and you'll be back in the hole. And then you have to manage your mind, which is really just going to be what are your beliefs, your blocks, your biases, and how do these influence your lifestyle and behavior choices across the lifespan? So I've kind of already alluded to this, but the problems that I see are not knowing how much to eat. So therefore, oftentimes people undereat because they're afraid to overeat. They don't even know that they're undereating because they have no concept of how much they should be eating. They don't know how long to diet. They don't know what to do after the diet. They undereat and overexercise because they're afraid of gaining weight. They don't understand the process to get back to homeostasis, to that more optimal level of functioning after they've gotten to their goal or gotten closer to their goal. And they don't have a plan and they're just winging it Um, or they're trying to find resources online and then trying to like piece together a plan for themselves to save themselves money. And ultimately it results in goal stalling because those choices will only get you so far. And then you don't know what to do after that. You're not taking a 360 degree approach to know where are you at currently? Where do you want to be? And then how do you maintain that long-term? So how I go through this with my clients, so this is how I solve this problem for them. I have what I call a triple transformation process. And it's a way for me to show them that your transformation to from where you're at currently to where you want to be is three parts. It includes your perspectives, your physiology, and your physique. So let me break down what those are. Perspectives are going to be things like your current thoughts, your current feelings, and what your behaviors are as a result. Your physiology, a lot of it is metabolism. What's your current brain and body functioning like, and what do we need it to function like in order to get to where you want to be? 
And then number three is really oftentimes what people want in the beginning, but it ends up being the last thing that we can work on because we have to work on perspectives and we have to work on physiology first oftentimes. And the physique is really the mirror and the scale. So they want to lose weight or tone up. And they know that that is, that's in the forefront of their mind, but it's my job to help, help them understand that, yes, I hear what you're saying, but in order to get there, we need to do these other things first so that you can actually be successful and maintain once you get to that outcome. Okay, so I'm going to explain to you my framework for how I do that. So that's the process, the triple transformation process, and it's the perspectives, physiology, and physique process. And then I use a framework to help them walk through the process, if that makes sense. So process, framework. And I call it the eat, lift, soar framework. So in phase one, I give them the knowledge, I teach them, and I give them the tools to reach the phase one goals. And these all stem from, and you can kind of unpack it in the name, eat, lift, soar, is going to be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle. The same thing in phase two. Once they master everything in phase one, then we move to phase two. And I give them the knowledge and tools that they need for nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to reach the phase two goals. And then in phase three, we work on knowledge and tools for nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to reach the phase three goals. Everyone always asks me, like, how long does this take? And I really don't have an answer that I can tell you. Everyone is unique. Every single person that I have worked with thus far is unique. Some have had an amazing transformation in four months. Others, we're still working on phase two because we can't predict how their body is going to respond to some of these interventions. We just can't. No matter as much as we try, you know, we don't know what's actually going on on the inside. And and some of them are still working through phase two. And, you know, we've been working on things for six, seven, eight, nine months, and it's fine. It doesn't make them any less of a person because of that. All right. So I hope that this content was really helpful for you to see that you have to have that 360 degree comprehensive approach when it comes to metabolism to prevent goal stalling. And that the eat less and move more concept is only good for a period of time. So To summarize and to give you the takeaways here, what we covered today is what is metabolism, the three different categories of metabolism, the eight factors that affect metabolism, why being mindful of your metabolism is important, how to restore and maintain your metabolism, the problems that I see that result in goal stalling, and how I solve these issues for my clients. To give you a little bit of a sneak peek, what it looks like and what it feels like on the inside of my coaching container. So that wraps up episode two. I hope you got a ton of value from it and that it helps you to be able to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. 
If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Thank you.